everybody. Welcome back to Rediscover the Winds. I'm Stevie from the Dubois Museum, and we have with me today... Uh, Randy Wise from the Lander Museum. And Zach Larson of sort of the Riverton Museum. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about apples in Wyoming today. Randy, in kind of in lieu of the Lander Apple Fest, which was unfortunately canceled this year, he's going to be talking about two of the big names uh, in Lander that made apples kind of a big deal. So it's going to be mostly a Randy-focused <laughs> podcast today, but I do have some fun facts about apples for later on in case anyone's interested. And uh, Zach will also hopefully be able to tell us a tidbit or two. Great. Well, yeah, so uh, Lander, believe it or not, was known for many years as the Apple City of Wyoming. Um, back when Lander was founded, and at that point Lander was really the only town in Fremont County, uh, South Pass and Atlantic City, had brought people to the area because of the gold, which didn't last very long. And uh, as those towns started to uh, basically turn into ghost towns, a lot of people moved down into the Lander Valley, which was pretty widely recognized as a good agricultural area. The good water, uh, good soil, uh, lack of wind, which is a, a big deal, especially for apples, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, so, uh, but of course, in those days, Lander, the Lander Valley, the Wind River Basin was a very isolated area. There were no railroads really anywhere near here. It was a long journey to get here. So the nearest railhead would have been either uh, Green River or Rollins, which is about 125 miles uh, one way to get to those places. And in those days, of course, you're in a wagon or on foot or on a horse. So it's about a four or five day journey. Uh, so getting things in here was problematic. So the people recognized really quickly they needed to raise their own as much as possible. And as the uh, first people started settling in the Lander Valley, the cattle, of course, were big. Sheep were huge. They were a major, major uh, part of the economy. Um, but people started growing other things, too. Uh, potatoes did well in the Lander Valley. Uh, corn, sort of, although it never really did get huge because it just... It just doesn't have a long enough growing season here. Um, but one thing people really wanted, because most of the people settling in the Lander Valley were from other places, and they liked fruit. Well, getting fresh fruit in 18, uh, you know, 1870 in Lander is problematic yeah because you're not going to get you know any fruit that gets shipped in from the midwest is going to be rotten by the time it gets there or nearly rotten so a couple of those early pioneers uh set out to see if they could start raising fruit in the lander valley and one guy in particular named ed young uh it's a name we'll talk about a lot today he's got his own mountain yeah he's, he's got a his name is on a number of things uh <laughs> because again he he was one of the most significant early lander uh, pioneers for a lot of reasons, but apples today is the topic we're talking about. So he came to uh, Wyoming in uh, the 1860s, and uh, he was in the Army. Uh, he came across, he was a guard for the Union Pacific Railroad, uh, guarding the workers on the railroad from Native American attacks. That's what brought him west. He was from England originally, uh, emigrated to New York uh, and actually worked in agriculture in New York as a young man, so he had a little bit of a background, joined the Army you know, to get himself out, out this way. Uh, he saw this driving of the Golden Spike at Promontory, Utah, and yes. after that he was done. He was you know, released from the military, 
uh, heard about this gold strike up at South Pass, uh, and that's how he ended up there, as did many people. The, that was the big gold strike at that point, and people flocked to this area to make their fortune in gold. And again, many of them didn't. Most of them didn't, for that matter. Uh, Ed tried his hand at it, decided that's not something he's going to, you know, A, make a lot of money at and B, enjoy. So he moved down into a place called Red Canyon, which is just below South Pass and just uh, above Lander, kind of in between. I was just there yesterday. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful place. Uh, and he, he settled uh, on a homestead on the Little Papoja, which is a trickle of water coming down out of the Wind River Mountains, uh, and set out to become a cattleman and, uh, again, started running cattle and sheep. Uh, but he was interested in a lot of things, and he realized that there was a demand for uh, produce as well as meat, and so he started raising uh, a variety of things on his ranch. That was back when people in Wyoming ate vegetables that weren't <laughs> potatoes, right? That's right. Although he grew potatoes. Uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, there were a number of people. You know, so Lander at that point is still part of the Wind River Indian Reservation. Uh, so people aren't really settling in the Lander Valley yet, but Red Canyon was off of the reservation. So there were a number of uh, ranchers. The, the Tweed family was in Red Canyon. They were another very prominent uh, agricultural family. Ed Young's place at the other end of Red Canyon. And uh, so he started grazing uh, potatoes. He started raising turnips, cabbages, pretty much anything he thought he could A, raise and then sell. And his market initially was the gold mines and the miners up there, and he did pretty well, sold quite a bit. But as that market started to sort of disintegrate because of the lack of gold, two other markets opened up, one being the Lander area, which was now uh, not part of the Indian Reservation, and people were settling there and creating a community. But the other major market for him was Fort Washakie, where there was a major military post. Uh, you know, Today we don't think about Fort Washakie as anything other than something you blink as you drive through. Mm -hmm. But in those days, there were several hundred cavalry, several hundred infantry, all of the support staff. Uh, a lot of those soldiers brought their families. So there was a major market there for agriculture. Because again, the Army had the same problem. How do you get food to these people that are so far away from the nearest rail line? So the local... Uh, ranchers like Ed and the Tweeds and others started selling their goods to the military and also to the Native Americans because the U.S. government had promised a food ration. Food, a food ration. So these guys had a great market. So Ed, being a, a man of many uh, interests, you know, was really interested in fruit and particularly apples. Uh, and he thought, you know, I might be able to make a go of this. And, you know, clearly Wyoming, if you think about it, not ideal apple habitat, or at least 99% of it mm -hmm. anyway. But f for a number of uh, uh, geologic and uh, geographic reasons, Ed's place really worked out. He had water, the little Papoja coming down there, good soil. It's a little valley, and the part he was on was even more of a valley than the big, broad expanse of Red Canyon. And uh, so there's no wind, and apple trees don't like wind. So he started planting some apple trees that he originally got from orchards in Ohio. Well, Johnny uh, Appleseed Orchards yeah, in Johnny Ohio? Johnny Appleseed Orchards. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, those apples were not particularly suited to living in Wyoming. They didn't have very good success that first year. Uh, so then he started thinking, well, where, where do apples grow? And uh, discovered that Canada and Michigan both have apple uh, crops. So he started buying seedlings from 
those areas, which were a little more hardy. Uh, and since they started getting his orchards established, he discovered through trial and error that the ones that did the best were from Russia. Uh, Russia, which I didn't know this until I started doing all this research, uh, actually has quite a quite an apple production, hmm. and those trees are. And that part of Russia is very similar to Wyoming's climate, uh, so those trees were used to that kind of habitat. And Ed started bringing in Russian varieties. Now he was crossbreeding this whole time because he was trying to create his own his own breeds. So he would crossbreed his Russian trees with his Michigan trees, and uh, and. You know, and, and coming up with his own specific Wyoming brands of, of trees, and it, and started doing quite well for himself. Uh, to, to the surprise, I think of everybody, but Ed. Uh, everyone was like, "You can't grow apples in Wyoming," and and here he was growing apples and and doing very well with them. As a matter of fact, at the height of his orchards, uh, about twenty years later, twenty twenty five years later, and this is we're talking at the beginning eighteen seventy when he's getting getting started. Uh, he had three thousand apple trees hmm. uh, produce and producing. Uh, the he would uh, produce one year five thousand bushels of apples. That's a lot of wow. apples. Yeah, and the majority of those were being sold locally, uh, either to what was left of South Pass and Atlantic City or Fort Washakie or the Lander Valley, which by eighteen ninety had become a fairly prosperous and populous place. Uh, so he had, he had a lot of uh, uh, apples. Um, he also turned a significant number of those apples into cider, though, because, again, cider will keep longer than an apple. Although he had a, uh, on his property, he had a big, uh, basically dugout dug into the side of a hill where he was able to store his apples and keep them fresh well into the winter. So, you know, he had a, had a system figured out uh, how to store those apples, but a lot of those apples got turned into both uh, both sweet cider and hard cider. Uh, again, as a practical matter, because that's how you preserve those those things and be it, and are able to sell them. And yeah. there was a big demand for hard cider and sweet cider as well. Uh, matter of fact, one of the local newspaper articles talks about. Uh, Ed, bring your bring your uh, bring your kegs or your jugs out to Ed's, <laughs> and he'll press you his cider right then and there. Uh, and matter of fact, at the Lander Museum, we have one of his cider presses. It's on oh, display nice. and, and on exhibit. Um, so Ed's success led to other people coming. Well, maybe we can do this too. Uh, and and he was in, he was very encouraging of that. He he didn't want to corner of the market. He wanted Lander to prosper. He wanted trees. And again, you're going back into the 1870s and 1880s. And today, Lander is full of trees, beautiful, big, tall cottonwoods and apple trees and all kinds of trees throughout the town. In those days, you were lucky to find a shrub higher than, you know, three feet. (laughs) It was pretty open. And so he, he wanted trees to grow. Uh, encouraged other people to start orchards uh, and plant trees. And not everybody that went into the apple business succeeded. Again, he had a really unique combination of factors there that worked well for him. But another place that actually had some of the similar uh, geographic features was just below Sinks Canyon. Now, in the canyon itself, it's far too rocky and narrow. Mm-hmm. But just below the canyon, where it opens up and spreads out, you've got the Papoja River coming down, so you've got lots of water. Again, you've got good soil. Uh, again, lack of wind in that kind of particular area. So a man named Jacob Myers began a, a large orchard in, uh, in uh, just below Sinks Canyon. And he started having very great success with his apples. And he was using some of Ed Young's breeds. He was also crossbreeding, creating his own breeds. Okay. Um, and uh, 
the University of Wyoming, which had gotten started about that time, st- started noticing this, and they thought, you know, maybe we should open a uh, a place that we can help help these people and maybe find out what does grow in Wyoming. So they opened what we called the Experimental Farm, which was a branch of the University of Wyoming, and it was right there in Sinks Canyon, right? As a matter of fact, Jacob Meyer's place was right next to it, and he ended up managing the experimental farm, at least initially. And their goal was to find out what grew in Wyoming. It wasn't just about apples. They tried different kinds of wheat. They tried different kinds of uh, plums, apricots, any number of different That's things. That's why it was called the experimental mm-hmm. farm. Yeah, they were trying to find out what was going to grow. Uh, and, and they found, again, you know, and Ed Young was very helpful. He was not in competition he was trying to encourage this kind of thing. So with his advice, because he'd been doing it for a long time already, uh, the experimental farm, and, and, and certainly not everything worked. You know, they, they did not succeed with pears. <laughs> um, apricots and plums did pretty well. Uh, you know, breeds that were you know, hardy enough to survive mm-hmm. Wyoming weather. Uh, but the experimental farm was quite a, quite a big deal at its time. Uh, and again, they encouraged operators uh, to have orchards. And if you drive around Lander, um, especially in the older parts of town, you'll see apple trees. Right. And matter of fact, my yeah. mother's house, which is in, in the Amoretti edition, which was one of the very early editions uh, uh, of Lander has a big old apple tree, and I'm almost certain it came from Ed Young's place. Uh, they planted it in the back there, and maybe there were others at one time. There, there aren't there now. Um, but that old apple tree is still there, and you'll find those around town. There's a lot up on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. A lot, Almost every house has two or three apple yep. trees in the front or backyard. Yeah, and, and the other tree you'll see a lot, and people sometimes complain about, although they're very actually pretty significant, especially in those days, were crab apples. Yep. Right. Crab apples do really well here, better than apples. Uh, well, because they're the only apple native to yep. North America. Yeah, and they do great. And uh, what most people did with their cider, and as a matter of fact, there's a company in Jackson who is doing this again is they come down and they get lander crab apples and they mix them with regular apples to make a, a hard cider. And the crab apples give it the zing mm-hmm. right. and the sweet, the regular apples give it the sweetness. Uh, the lander museum, uh, started, uh, last year, uh, our, what we called apple fest, which was in a recognition of this, you know, heritage of lander apples. And, uh, we had those folks from Jackson come down and, uh, they were giving samples of their cider, which they get almost all their apples from the lander Valley. Uh, they take them up to Jackson to produce the stuff, but, uh, uh, apple, that was part of our apple fest. And, uh, it, it was really neat to sort of see this recognition of this, uh, heritage and, and that people are trying to kind of bring it back. Yeah. And you, I you mean, would, yeah, like, go ahead. I know that, um, Seed apples are a really big thing because if you grow an apple from the seed, like crab apples grow, that's part of the reason they're so sour. Seed apples are not necessarily great eating apples. It's the grafted apples that they would have been growing at like the experimental farm Mm -hmm. that you can breed for sweetness or for different flavor profiles. So you don't want to just use your pie apples or your supermarket apples if you make a good cider because you need the bite. Yeah, 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 and we we actually purchased a, a cider press for the museum 
at, to be part of Apple Fest, uh, which again, unfortunately, isn't happening this year. But uh, we'll be back in 2021. Uh, we are having a pie contest this year, and I'll talk more <laughs> about that later. But uh, you know, we found again as we were experimenting with it, you know, you want a combination of sweet and sweet and tart apples for that cider, because uh, otherwise it's too sweet or it's, it's too, tart. too tart. And it was interesting to sort of experiment with that. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing with the, with the cider press. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know. L- so, so there is a movement today to rehabilitate many of the orchards, uh, and they're they're working on it through the what did, I can't remember the name of the group. Oh, so, so in, out of the University yeah, of, of Wyoming. University of Wyoming. <laughs> so they are they are working with local growers, and the Ed Young Orchard is still producing. Uh, that's in uh, a different family now. Ed Young you know, passed away many many years ago, and several other operators had it, but the Slingerland family owns it now, and. There aren't 3,000 trees left, unfortunately, but they've got several hundred apple trees, and they're all Ed Young's trees, and they are producing. They sell at the Lander Farmer's Market uh, throughout the summer and fall, and they're really good apples. They're not giant, but they're really tasty, mm-hmm. really, really good apples. The Central Wyoming College is working on rehabilitating those orchards because the experimental farm eventually got turned over to Central Wyoming College and becomes the Central Wyoming College Field Station, which is what it was known for many, many years. Now it's the Alpine Institute, I think. They've changed the name again. But they're trying to keep that orchard uh, and bring that orchard back. And then there are uh, another uh, orchard in Sinks Canyon or near Sinks Canyon is the state's uh, ranch, and they have heritage apples that have been growing there for 120 years, and they produce and sell at the Lander Farmers Market right. too. And so there's a lot of people kind of revisiting this part of Lander's history. You know, eventually orchards get started in other parts of Wyoming. Sheridan area, in particular, has some has some orchards, but Lander really was the first, and uh, again was known. In fact, it was a promotional thing. The Apple City of Wyoming. There are right. postcards with that on it. Uh, it's kind of an interesting 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 aspect of Lander's history. Because again, you wouldn't think this is Apple Central, but it is. So... Well, I mean, apples were good for a lot of different things besides cider. So you could Mm -hmm. jam them and jelly them and dry them and um, make apple sauce and all sorts of different preserves and things. And they have high fiber. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something that in in demand and it's a good part of your diet, even today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Eat your apple apple a day, as they say. Um, uh, Ed Young, and I should mention too, that Ed also... Mm -hmm. uh, grew a lot of other things like say he he grew pretty much anything uh he grew watermelons he grew cantaloupes he you know uh, he grew a lot of different things he actually won a uh silver and a gold medal at the world's fair in st louis for his produce he, mm-hmm. he won a silver medal for his apples uh and he won a gold medal for uh i can't remember why it was one of his pro- some other some other produce and i think that's pretty amazing that you got this guy from wyoming little town in Wyoming going up against these major orchards from New York and uh, you know the Midwest and places and, and that he, are yeah and he wins the the silver medal yeah. and we've got that on display at the museum <laughs> nice. too <laughs> so uh, but he also and, and this is another thing we talked about the trees in Lander Lander is full of these big beautiful cottonwood trees in the mm-hmm. line of many of the residential streets almost all of those trees came from Ed Young uh, he started trying to breed Uh, and did successfully uh, cottonwoods that would grow tall and straight. And cottonwoods grow around here, but they tend to be kind of bushy and shrubby unless you have a specific uh, one that's bred to grow tall, and he did. 
And people in Lander would come and buy them for their streets or their corner or their lots. And so as you drive through Lander now, you see these beautiful towering cottonwood trees that came from Ed Young's place. uh, if you want to know more about Ed Young, we just produced, the Lander Museum just produced a uh, virtual trek of the Ed Young Orchards, which will air this Saturday uh, on YouTube and Facebook. And then, of course, it'll be there for people to look at anytime. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when this podcast airs, but it might be after after. Hopefully that. sometime the beginning of September. Yeah, so, so it should be up before... Okay, so so the so if you're interested in actually seeing some of the things we're talking about, uh, we filmed uh, a, a trek. You know, the, all three museums do treks to historic sites around mm-hmm. Fremont County. And last year, we actually took a group to Ed Young's Orchards, but I had so much demand for it that I couldn't get everybody out there because our bus only mm-hmm. holds so many people. So we decided we'd schedule it again for this year. And then, of course, COVID-19 comes along, and that kind of threw everything off. So rather than take people to the orchards, uh, we decided we'd do a virtual trek of the orchards this year. So that will be available. And it's pretty neat to see, you know, because the, the buildings date back to the 1870s, many of them. You know, the orchards are really cool. You can tell that there's some young trees that are still they're still working on but some of the old trees are there it's it's a pretty cool place to visit so i encourage you to t- check that out oh we ought to stop at the farmer's market for some ed young apples before you watch it you can have <laughs> something to munch on that's right go. well yeah and and uh you know uh, this year things are a little different but the owners will let people come out and pick apples i don't think they're doing it this year because mm-hmm. of what's going on but in the past and hopefully in the future you'll be able to go out maybe yeah. and pick your own nice it's uh, it's a neat place it's a really unique uh, unique place, uh, and again, significant part of this area's history that a lot of people just don't really realize. You know, they don't think about it anymore. They're so used to seeing crab apples. Uh, right. Everybody thinks that's what's here, but it, there, there is a there is was and is a thriving apple, uh, regular apple market and uh, uh, economy as well. Right. So I was just thinking too about. I'm getting ready. We're we're finally putting the finishing touches on our digital trek of the Midville Irrigation District. And we talked a lot about that trek on um, the effort that these people put into building things that they would only begin in their lifetimes to see the, the I guess, the either literal or um, figurative fruit of. Mm-hmm. And and I think that these cottonwood trees, when these people planted them, I'm sure they were just little saplings. I'm sure that they they could see what they they've turned into. Yeah, it's pretty cool because yeah. I I actually my my uh, mother's family settled in the Lander Valley very early, and uh, we still have that property uh, just south of town. And we've got pictures from the twenties mm. of cottonwoods that they had planted, and they're you know waist high. Yeah, <laughs> and now those cottonwoods are still standing there, and they're. 80 feet tall or 90 feet tall in some cases and it's really kind of cool to sort of see that because i I know the exact spot the picture was taken at like wow (laughs) yeah there's a picture of my mother as a you know as a young girl standing in front of these little tiny trees and uh now they're 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 really cool it's really Mm -hmm. really neat well and that's an interesting point zach about what people did to to make this work you know i had a discussion yesterday about the all the irrigation uh, canals that are all over Fremont County because yeah. you've got to have water for any right. of this stuff, and sometimes that water isn't where you want it, mm-hmm. so you got to dig a ditch. And, yep. You know there are irrigation ditches running all over the county, and speaking of irrigation, 
I'll show you guys this picture, and it'll be on the video. But there's a gigantic <laughs> picture of a water wheel. And Ed Young's uh, uh, property it was, is, it was a big property, and there were big parts of it that the river ran through, but there were parts of it that he couldn't, didn't have water on. And he built by hand this, oh, it must be 30 feet tall, wooden water wheel to literally lift the water out of the little Paposia River and send it to his orchards. And that became a tourist attraction in and of itself. People (laughs) would come from all over the county and even, you know, bring their guests from other places to come to the orchards, which were very popular. Uh, Ed would let people have picnics out there and hang out. Of course, he was always trying to sell you apples and other things too, and that was part of the deal. But people would come to see this water wheel because it was such an amazing engineering feat. And... And again, handmade, uh, <laughs> and was there for. It's not there anymore, unfortunately, but we do have some really cool pictures of it. And you know, he had to get creative and and get that water where it needed to be. And uh, clearly, a man of many talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he and again to build this thing by hand because it's a well. You can see in the picture, it's a massive uh, piece of uh, equipment. And uh, and uh, but you you do what you got to do because yeah. again, you know, without without that water, you're not going to get those trees to grow. Right. In a in a previous episode, I remember we talked about growing prize winning lettuce up in <laughs> in Dubois at like eight thousand nine thousand feet above sea level, and it's just where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and again, here especially before the railroad came to town, yeah. if you wanted it, you pretty much had to grow it yourself or, yep. knew, or know somebody that could grow it. You know, once the railroad came to town, things do, do change. But Ed Ed Young produced. He was he lived a long life. He lived into the 1930s, mm. and he was selling apples well into his 70s. Right. Uh, you know, they, they, again, the newspaper always talks about. The Lander newspaper talks about Ed Young's coming to town on Thursday with a wagon load of apples. You know, be sure and go down to the, you know, the so and so market to pick up Ed Young's apples. Uh, so he he stayed active well into his uh, uh, senior years. Wow. So, yeah. uh, and and again, it's, he still actually had cattle too. Although again, his focus became produce. But you know, there's a story about him breaking his uh, shoulder. Uh, branding cattle at, at, at age like 73 or something, you know, so uh, a busy guy. And, but again, neat part of Lander's history uh, and Jacob Meyer just as significant uh, because, again, he really did uh, a lot of experiments, experiments that, you know, they would find what, what, what you could grow in Wyoming. Uh, eventually, the university uh, uh, took... Uh, took away the designation of the experimental farm uh, because they were concerned that Lander was all of a sudden going to have its own university, and they didn't mm. want to be competing with uh, Lander's the Lander University. So a state with two universities. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Uh, it 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 was within one again off the topic slightly here, but uh, Lander missed having its own university by one vote in the legislature. Oh wow! And there's a wow. whole story behind that. <laughs> that maybe some other podcast wow. we can talk about because it's an interesting story That'd and it's a very episode. cynical political story, but we won't get into that today. <laughs> but Lander almost had the second university huh. in uh, in the state of Wyoming. Wyoming so. State University. That's right. Could have been, yeah. Huh. <laughs> so you had some interesting th- 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 uh, stop th- th- uh, I, facts about I apples. did have 
fascinating facts about apples. Um, well, let's hear a couple because so, uh, you know it's, it's it's something that I think people are really like. Yeah. So. so the East Coast has you know Johnny Appleseed traveling up and down planting seed apples. Surprisingly enough, to make hard cider and temperance shot him down because they <laughs> believed um, apple cider and the alcoholic apple cider was the root of all evil. So they actually encouraged people to go out and burn the trees that Johnny Appleseed quote unquote planted. Um, his real name was John Chapman. He was from Massachusetts, but he really wanted to promote apples for cider mm -hmm. um, because he did not believe in grafting apples. He wanted seed apples only. But out West, we really have a lot of the pioneers and the early homesteaders to thank for Johnny Apple seeding the area. Mm -hmm. um, having apple trees was usually a point of pride for a lot of early homesteads. And apples, surprisingly enough, fun fact, can grow or can fruit almost all year, depending on what variety you have. So some apples are as small as cherries and other ones are as large as grapefruits mm -hmm. and they will blossom and fruit in the winter. Um, there are, I think, Russian breeds, mm -hmm. like you were saying, yeah. that will that are winter fruiting mm -hmm. trees. Mm -hmm. So you could, in theory, depending on what you planted or how you grafted your tree, have access to fresh fruit year round. Um, and it was, yeah, you wanted to be able to trade different apples with your neighbors to make things like ciders or pies or jams and things of that nature. So we have all those early homesteaders yeah. and industrious housewives to, <laughs> to thank for a lot of that. Well, and speaking of pies, I'm going to throw this in <laughs> real fast here. So in lieu of Apple Fest this year, since we can't have the event with, a, you know, several, you know, we had 400 people last year uh, with uh, cider presses running and all kinds of fun stuff going on. But we can't do that this year, but we are going to have our apple pie contest. That was a big hit last year. We had uh, a lot of pies entered. Uh, uh, if you're interested in being a judge, I'm happy to take a donation under the table. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I was going to say, I'll volunteer right now. Just kidding about that. So, uh, but uh, we, we would like to encourage uh, folks to, to, so it's kind of a mini Apple Fest this year with Just the Pie Contest. But we are going to have uh, first, second, and third place with cash prizes. Uh, this year, we've added a kids category. Last year, we had a number of young people who entered the contest and uh, did pretty well. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think one of our younger people won third place last mm. year. Um, but uh, we didn't feel like it was fair for them to compete against mm. grown-ups, so we're having a kid's apple pie category as well as an adult apple pie category. What's the cutoff for the kid uh, age? Is like 30 too old? <laughs> <laughs> well, we hadn't put an age, age range on that. Hmm, I have to think about that. Uh, well, in any case, the, the contest is going to be on uh, September 26th. Uh, get your pies in by 10 a.m. the 26th. They can come in earlier than that. We've got a refrigerator. We can keep them. Uh, but but we'll start judging that morning, uh, and we will let people know who won. And uh, we'll have, say we have ribbons and cash prizes for both the kids and the uh, and the adults. Uh, and again, it's this year's Apple Fest because we wanted to keep something out there mm -hmm. for people. Right. And it figured that's a good socially distant thing to do, make yeah. an apple pie in your house and bring it to us. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, will, I, would, I would like to throw this out because people have accused me of, like, oh, you just want some apple pie, and I'm not necessarily against that because <laughs> I didn't get any of the pie last year. We had all these pies entered, and the judges had their share, and then we actually sold slices to the public because mm. we had all these people around. Right. And, and and by the time I got over there, all the pie was, was gone. gone. And I'm like, oh, geez. Uh, so I had a lot of cider that day, so maybe I'll, I'll you know, I made up for it that way. But uh, but but please, if you're interested, 
And if you're a young person, uh, come and join us for our pie contest because it's part of Lander's history, and you yeah. can be a part of that. Uh, so April or uh, September uh, 26th. So cool. Nice, nice. Um, the Du Bois Museum is having only one event this month, or I guess, yeah, this month. Um, it is going to be on September 17th at 7 in the evening. Um, we are still trying to plan whether it will be outside at the Du Bois Museum or at another location. So please stay tuned if you um, would like to come to learn about the swift foxes in Wyoming. We're going to be talking to non-game mammal biologist Nicole Bjornley, and she's going to tell us about swift swift fox ecology, history, and the recent work conducted by the department on this charismatic species. I've never personally heard of a swift fox, but I seen I've seen a picture and they are very cute. They're, they're, they are and they're they're pretty rare. Uh, if you go to the Lander Wyoming Game and Fish office in Lander, uh, they have a diorama with a swift fox in it okay. and they're very adorable little right. bit. but again, they're often mistaken for regular foxes. Although they're, you know, a third the size of mm. a full-grown regular fox. But they're cute little critters, you know. Yeah. So, so this is a reschedule of an event that we were going to be hosting earlier in the year that was rescheduled to September, again, the 17th, um, because of COVID. And please stay tuned for some information regarding where it will be, but it will be happening on September 17th. Yeah, and be sure and check out the museum, uh, Fremont County Museums on YouTube, Uh We've all been producing, Riverton, Lander, and Dubois have been producing videos. Uh, all of Lander's treks this year are, are digital. Uh, and uh, like I say, the Ed Young trek will be up there. Uh, so it's a, a good way to stay in touch with the museums and see what we're doing and, and, you know, see what we do when we do these things live, too. So Riverton should have quite a few coming out in the next several weeks. I've been um, busy <laughs> <coughs> and I haven't had time to, to put them all together as, as much time as I'd like, so... Uh, they're coming together to look for the irrigation one before this one airs, and then there'll be a few more coming. We, we went out to Black Bridge, and uh seems like there's another one. It's been a busy summer. <laughs> yeah. um, but then coming up in September on the 12th, the Riverton Museum is going out to the Gas Hills to explore the Uranium District. Um, and uh, we'll, do a, we'll do a virtual component of that one as well, but uh, join us. We're going to be ending the day. We'll, we'll picnic lunch out where the Federal American Partners Camp was. And uh, we're hoping to be able to have dinner at the Split Rock. Hmm, nice. So in Jeffrey City, we'll explore Jeffrey City. We'll explore the Gas Hills area and just learn all about Wyoming's uranium history, which is, and it's actually the day before the 67th, I believe, um, anniversary of the discovery of uranium out there. Wow. So a uh, good time to go out. It should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, lots of stuff coming up. Neat. But. All right. Well, thanks to everybody for listening to us. We are going to have a spooky <laughs> Halloween episode for next month, so <laughs> stay tuned for ghosties and other such yeah, ghosts haunting of Fremont things. County. Yeah. So. And before we go, we just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Mick Pryor, a financial advisor with Edward Jones. Long-term goals mean long-term plans, so let Mick Pryor, your Edward Jones financial advisor, help you accomplish these goals. Call or stop in and make sure you let them know you heard about them on Rediscover the Wins.